Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I've got Keaton Higgins on, uh, who is the uh, TPA fellow. Uh, TPA is the Tennessee Pharmacists Association, or is it pharmacy? Pharmacists. Pharmacists Association. Uh, and uh, he's doing his fellowship now. Uh, we met when he was an appy student or intern. I feel like you were a summer intern. But were you an appy student at uh, Iowa Pharmacists Association? I was an intern after my P uh, PCU year. I did a 12-week uh, executive internship with the Iowa Pharmacy Association as well. Okay. Yep. And did you do an appy? I don't know that you... I didn't do an appy at IPA, but I did have the chance to do an appy at the American Pharmacy Association in Washington, D.C. That's right. You went national. Okay, good. Yep. All right. So lots of lots of experience. Um, but let's just kind of first get to the kind of first part of things, uh, which is just in your own words, what's the difference between a residency and fellowship? Uh, why does someone go toward residency and why does someone go toward fellowship? Yeah, that's a great question, Tony. Thanks for answering it. And I think the first thing I want to kind of clarify is that um, the word fellowship versus residency is not kind of a, a end-all be-all. There are some similar opportunities within the association space and others that do call it a residency instead of a fellowship. But um, for me, the biggest uh, um, the difference is, uh, comes down just to logistics. Um, a fellowship uh, with my in my position and similar ones within the association world uh, just helps really uh, kind of differentiate it from you know a, a typical clinical residency. Uh, so with that, um, we're not accredited by ASHP. Uh, that comes with, you know, some pros and cons as it, as everything does. But for me, the pros there are uh, we're not bound to the same requirements as other typical ASHP accredited residencies that would be in a typical hospital community or clinical setting. Uh, that allows for us to have a lot more flexibility in the learning environment opportunities that we can give to, you know, me and my uh, other uh, uh, postgraduate training uh, pharmacists in the similar roles. Um, so it allows for a lot more uh, flexibility and um, things like that. Um, uh, the biggest decision going into this is it, it, we, um, uh, in my position, I have no direct uh, patient care. And that's a big okay. uh, uh, um, um, kind of uh, pathway you have to decide to go on, depending on if you want to take on a role like this. Uh, there are similar uh, programs uh, in other states that, that do allow for maybe one day in a community pharmacy setting and then four days in the association setting. So there is flexibility within that as well. Um, and then another thing I'd like to just mention, if uh, if it is a big distractor, a, a distractor away from these type of opportunities, um, I do have almost every weekend free. So if, if I want to, um, I can easily pick up shifts at, you know, a local hospital or community pharmacy and things like that. So that's just kind of the baseline here. Uh, and I'd love to dive into any more details you'd love to learn. Uh, know about Tony. Okay. Well, let's start with maybe a contrast because I feel like someone might consider uh I think HISPAL, H-S-P-A-L, yep. the Health System Pharmacy Administration Leadership Resident, yep. uh, which is generally two years, if I if I know it right, where it's PGY-1, which is mostly clinical, PGY-2, mm -hmm. which is mostly administration. Can you contrast those two for me? Yeah. So I think actually, um, uh, besides students that had the great opportunities that I had during pharmacy school that set me up for a good association experience, uh, postgraduate uh, PGY1, PGY, PGY1, PGY2 uh, graduates, uh, pharmacists are actually great, uh, uh, really well situated to do a fellowship within association management as well. Uh, because again, as I mentioned, there's no direct patient care and I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously not in a hospital setting or even a pharmacy setting. Um, it's more of an office-based setting, but uh, this, if, if you go through your HS PAL or any admin experience during your residency, and you really pick up on those things like, oh, I really do like the policy. I really do like, you know, the management side of things. 
this is another chance for you to dive deeper into those aspects while not being bound to a hospital or a pharmacy setting as well. Um, for me, I, I, was, I was considering HS PALS or community-based admin and leadership programs as well. But um, through my experiences, um, I really just love the association world and the, the, uh, the work that we were able to do. Um, and I, I really wanted to, um, a big, a big stepping stone for me was realizing that your, your postgraduate experience should be about something you want to, you know, more or less specialize in or something that you want to gain a base, uh, a deeper, uh, background understanding. And for me, that was, I wanted that background and the deeper understanding of the association world and the, and the work that we can do. Um, I like to tell people that, um, I don't work in a pharmacy, obviously, but I get the chance to work on pharmacy and get to work on advancing pharmacy. Um, so if those things really speak to you during a residency, uh, any, even a, a typical PGY1 or even an HS PAL or community-based admin, this is really an opportunity to dive in deeper into those things that you really enjoyed, uh, again, not being strapped to a hospital or a community pharmacy setting. Um, so that's kind of how I made my decision. And uh, we've had uh, we've had successful uh, PGY1 residency uh, pharmacists uh, come into an association space and thrive in those roles once they identified those passions throughout their residencies as well. So... Could you say, although you went straight from uh, graduating to fellowship, uh, and I think back at IPA, I saw someone do PGY1 to fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that uh, fellowship for some people might be, and I'm not saying it's a PGY2 accredited by ASHP under you know those guidelines, but I'm just mm -hmm. saying as that second year of subspecialty, because what I'm hearing yeah. is residency, especially PGY1, is to become a general practitioner, maybe we say BCPS, and then that PGY2 or second year mm -hmm. is specializing. So um, you're specializing in, is I, I guess uh, you're, you're talking about a very narrow band when you talk about the actual associations, but I feel like there's a tremendous transfer of what you can do after an association experience because mm -hmm. of all the types of people you work with and around. So um, let, let me let me start here. When we think of a residency that has a single person as the resident, that's a tends to be a, a bit of a lonely situation, but you are not in that kind of situation. How many people are actually a TPA? So that's a great question. And I, I want to uh, touch on a few things you mentioned there, but I'll start off by answering your uh, final question there. Uh, this year, we are lucky uh, enough, and I'll talk more about some of our grants that we're working on, but with our grant uh, processes with TPA, we were able to hire uh, two executive fellows for this year. Uh, so it's myself and another uh, Oh, there are two man. of you. Yep, there are two of us for this year. It is it is um out of there. It is unordinary to have two of them, uh, but we have been successful in some of our grant uh, opportunities, which is another great thing about the association world. Uh, but so I, it is me, um, another executive fellow who's a pharmacist, and then uh, at TPA, uh, we're really lucky to work with a team of um a, a four four additional pharmacists as well. Um, our CEO or executive director is a pharmacist. Um, and then we have several other staff members that are also pharmacists. So it's a really great inclusive environment. Um, we're kind of, you know, like that small family. We, we, uh, we work together. We all wear different hats and we work together very well. A lot of collaboration. Um, so, yes, it, 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 you could sit there and say I'm one of two fellows, but I really do feel like it's a really great opportunity to really immerse yourself in so many different aspects. And then kind of going off of that, as you mentioned, um, I, I, one of my favorite questions I get asked by students or people that may be interested in these type of opportunities is like, what does it set you up for? And so I kind of, uh, I kind of started off by mentioning what you said is, 
um, PGY ones that you have to be a practitioner uh, within, you know, a, a typical pharmacist. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, you do a PGY two in oncology or cardiology. You're probably going to work in that space in that in that type of space for probably quite a while after you finish those because that's that's what you wanted to do and that's what your training sets you up to do. Mm -hmm. I love association managed experiences, whether that be an internship like I did in Appy, um, like other students can do either at the state or national level or even in the fellowship. Um, that you it's we're not it's not really going to funnel you towards one thing as you mentioned um you obviously get the experience uh understand understanding the inner workings of an association and nonprofit organizations uh, but we also our job is to interact with you know the key stakeholders across the state or across the nation whether that be our volunteer leaders that are working in all sorts of different practice settings as pharmacists whether that be you know third-party payers or insurance companies pbms uh, we also work with departments of health we also work with any other en entity that really touches health healthcare within Tennessee or any other uh, state associations that have these opportunities. So on a daily basis, we're interacting with so many pharmacists and healthcare leaders that it, it just exposes uh, myself and the other people in these positions, just so many different areas of pharmacy that aren't necessarily taught in the pharmacy classroom. And, and um, it just gives you an opportunity to build those, uh, you know, uh, healthy relationships with them, you get to understand them. And then maybe throughout your experience, again, during your internship or your rotation or your fellowship, Maybe you, 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 you realize that maybe the nonprofit world is not for you, but since you have these opportunities, you already have these, this, these networks of uh, pharmacy leaders that can help you kind of find, that, find those different areas that you are interested in that you wouldn't have had experience with if it wasn't for the, the fellowship or a similar experience. Yeah, I, I think that one of the fears that, that students have is uh, for, you know, all their life, they've been like, this is the curriculum. If you want to do this major, then you take these classes. And, you know, for pharmacy school, you certainly have electives. And then PGY-1 leads to PGY-2, leads to specialty. Uh, but um, what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that while fellowship might be more of the, <laughs> I, I hate to make it liberal arts, but um, let, let's say uh, the liberal arts of, of things where you're learning a lot about everything, and then you also have your your specialty space that in the same way, I was just, um, it's funny, I was just on LinkedIn and I saw one of my classmates who I wrestled with uh, was a journalism major and he ended up as a physician. I was an English major. I ended up as a, a pharmacist and then somebody else ended up, you know, um, I was a history major and ended up as a physician. So it, what I'm hearing is don't worry about the job after, it'll take care of itself. And one other thing is that I feel like you're actually not as pigeonholed. I hate to use that word, but if you do cardiology PGY2, there just are not a lot of cardiology PGY2 mm -hmm. jobs. And so you're probably a lot less, you're probably a lot more job bound and you're not going to have maybe as many opportunities if you have a certain place you want to live. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about Nashville? First of all, my wife did get <laughs> to do the... Uh, APHA Appy uh, in DC. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm from Baltimore, and and that was kind of cool. She did it during the APHA meeting, so that was kind of a, a neat time to do it. And then um, we have visited Nashville, and uh, we only got to see it for three days, but we loved it. Can't wait to go back. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the place? Because I think uh, sometimes we underemphasize the the place because a lot of people do get jobs in the state that they end up doing their fellowship or residency. Yeah, so I would say that's, that's another great question. Um, so for me, uh, being born and raised in Iowa all my life, I was pretty, uh, uh, you know, bound and determined to receive, um, you know, some type of opportunity outside of the state of Iowa just to, you know, get my feet out, get my feet wet and explore and really, really uh, 
you know, dedicate my time to figuring out what I'm passionate about and, you know, where, where I, where I was passionate about and who I was passionate about serving. Um, so for me, it was just the perfect storm of everything that lined up for being Nashville and TPA being the, the perfect scenario for me. Um, it, it's been great. I, I, Nashville itself, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the largest, the fastest growing cities in, in the country. Um, I like to tell people is if you're bored in Nashville, it's your own fault. Um, there's something to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's always something to do, always something going on, whether it be from, you know, sporting events or, um, you know, music and theater or anything you can think of great restaurants. Um, but I think uh, maybe to hopefully um, diminish any concern about that is Nashville can be crazy. I think most big cities can have, you know, that crazy traffic uh, for me. So for TPA, our, our physical office building is located on the outer skirts of Eastern Nashville. So, and I, and I also live in that area. So instead of, you know, fighting crazy, typical big city traffic, I have a 10 minute drive on the same road to work every day, 10 minutes back. Um, and it's really, um, I live in a, a nice and quiet, quiet uh, neighborhood. But if I do want to go down to, you know, to have the fun at the Broadway street or explore Nashville and all of its great amenities, it's only a 15, 20 minute drive or Uber, Uber away. So it really does provide me with a lot of opportunities. Again, growing up in small rural Iowa, uh, moving to Nashville has been a big change, but a welcome change because I get so much, made so many experiences um, outside of my my great working experience. So it, it's been really good, a really great fit for me, Tony. Okay, yeah, we uh, stayed downtown on Broad, just uh, just north of Broadway, and I I was preparing for a marathon, so I got to run downtown there and got to see it in the morning before everybody woke up. <laughs> and it actually uh, the traffic is not bad at five thirty in the morning, um, Broadway, Vanderbilt, uh, that area, mm -hmm. but. Um, it sounds like it's a vibrant city and a, and a great place to go. So if somebody wanted to apply to your particular fellowship, uh, I know there's just a couple of days left. We'll put mm -hmm. this podcast out today, but um, just January 1st, uh, but maybe some P3s and other people that are uh, maybe thinking about it. Um, first of all, are there two opportunities for next year or is that up to be decided? And then what do they need to do to apply? Yeah. So it's really a great question. We are only recruiting for one position this year. Okay. Um, uh, that it may be subject to change, but only only one for now. Um, we it's it, applications are January first. Um, it requires three letters of recommendations, um, a CV, a cover letter, and then we have um, maybe two or three short essay uh, short essay questions for all the applicants to answer. Um, you can send them directly to me, or uh, our all the information on there is fine. Uh, but I, I'd just like to mention, I have had so many great conversations with P4s and even P3s, and maybe you'll find this interesting, Tony, is I think there is a growing interest in, you know, these non-traditional postgraduate learning opportunities. I've had so many great conversations with P4s, P3s, even P2s, and, and some even graduates that are working pharmacists about how do we learn more about these non-traditional, unique postgraduate training opportunities. And it's just, it's been so fulfilling for me just to help them understand that, yes, while TPA and Tennessee has this great program that I would highly recommend to anyone that has any interest in it whatsoever. Um, it's a growing opportunity. There's, uh, depending on the year, there's anywhere between eight to 12 states that have a, a similar uh, postgraduate training opportunities. Almost all the national pharmacy associations also have uh, similar uh, training opportunities. So, and, and the one kind of downside to that is it's not all centralized, like the typical ASHP mass processes. So it does yep. take a little bit more digging. Um, but just anybody listening, if you're a P4 wanting to apply, yes, obviously get your applications in January 1st. Uh, but if you are any, uh, you know, uh, a recent graduate or a P3 or a P2, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I would love to have the conversation with you to not only tell you more about TPA, 
Uh, but you just know other unique opportunities out there for pharmacists. And I, I just, I really feel like there's this, this change coming that we need to really help students understand all of the tremendous opportunities out there for a fulfilling pharmacy career. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I have to say about that. But, um, but hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Tony. No, it does. I'm, I'm in a non-traditional role. Nowhere in the, in the uh, job application, did it say pharmacist uh, for, <laughs> for teaching and uh, chemistry? And uh, it's just something that we're allowed to do because we have 18 credits or more in a particular subject. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, if you have 18 more uh, credits in either biology, chemistry, anatomy, phys, whatever, uh, you're allowed to teach uh, at the college level, uh, usually 100, 200, maybe 300 level classes. But um, I've asked you a lot of questions. If there's one thing you'd want to tell everybody um, that maybe I haven't asked you about, what would that be? Yeah, I'd just say that um, if, if, if you do have any inkling of maybe um, you're not quite sure when you're leaving pharmacy school or if you do have interest in these type of non-traditional spaces, I think um, both national and state levels both offer great opportunities. I think for me personally, a state opportunity uh, just allows you to have so many experiences working in so many different areas within the association in pharmacy and healthcare in general. Um, I spend um, large, uh, large parts of my day working in continuing education. I work on the legislative aspects. I work on regulatory with the Board of Pharmacy. I work with uh, you know, government affairs. I work with member engagement. I work with our, our communications in, uh, in our uh, social media. So you get, you, it's, it's an opportunity one year to build such a diverse skill set that's gonna set you so up, well up for your career in the marketplace that I would highly encourage anyone to either apply for or reach out to me to learn more about the opportunity. Okay. And what is the best email? Uh, yep. It's just Keaton. That's K-E-A-T-O-N at T-N. Uh, T is in Tom, N is in Nancy, farm, tnfarm.org. Keaton at tnfarm.org. Awesome. Well, th thanks so much for being on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Yep. Thanks, Tony.